welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the CC Football Podcast. Today, not only Craig joins me, but a good friend of mine and also now a good friend of the show, Matt Burke, big Chelsea fan. We had to invite him in because of all the uh, Chelsea news that's going on now. Lots and of Chelsea news. Lots of Chelsea news. So, Matt, welcome. And Craig, what's up? <clears throat> not much. I, it's been a while since we've had a had a guest on the show and, I, and we've never had a Chelsea fan on the show. So I'm excited to see how this one goes. Hopefully it doesn't get too contentious. No, I don't, I don't think room. it will. We've already established between uh, Liverpool and Chelsea, the, 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 the superior side. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what the third or fourth draw against Liverpool, the game of pen. Oh, <clears throat> all right. I feel like <clears throat> I'm going to step in before, before anything. <laughs> We'll no, have time. We'll have time. I do. This. I do. Oh, however, yeah. I do. However, have a surprise game for you guys to play to to help decide who is the superior fan. Oh boy! Um, you guys ever watch the Sky Sports YouTube channel where they do those lies videos? No, no, I don't think I've seen. I don't think I've seen. That. Okay, so basically, what they have you? It's called lies, and they'll have like just like famous Premier League players play like they had like Trent and Robbo play it and like Rashford and some other people and basically the host i.e. me gives a category um so let's say obviously the category will be will be football related but let's say the category was like fruit or something um Clay you would go first and you would say you would say how many fruit you think you can name oh I've seen, yeah I have seen that. yeah in 30 seconds right so let's say you say like 10 then Matt can either up the number like say 11 or he can call you a liar and make you do it oh, okay and i like then, this I like this yeah and then if he ups it then it goes back to you and you can up it or call him a liar let's do it I'm <clears throat> all right i'm ready for it you guys you both know, i'm up against it so let's see let's see, <laughs> let's see you guys both claim to be um you know diehard fans of your of your respective teams so let's start off with a very specific team related question well actually let's just make all the questions team related the first question is, current how many rounds are we doing? Probably two. Okay. Okay. <laughs> current members, current members of the Liverpool and Chelsea squad. Clay, obviously, you can only name Liverpool players. Matt, you can only name Chelsea players. Okay. I think I, I you you say you say how many you can. Okay. Name I'm gonna we'll guess get. that I can name twenty. And. In 30 seconds. 20. Woohoo! 30 seconds. Oh, wait, wait, in 30 seconds. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Uh, oh, you thought this was just timeless? I, I just thought I had like unlimited time. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 15. Wow. Okay, that's still a pretty high number. That is pretty high. I I I think you could probably do 15. I can do 16 for sure. I think I could do 16. That's just that's an 11 and then a subs bench. I could definitely do that. Oh, are we, oh, are we, are we also including very players? logical, very logical. Are we including Sorry? players that are currently out on loan that like, we are not including players. That are so they have to be currently, the loan army doesn't register. They have to be currently <laughs> at the club. Okay. okay. Correct. And they have to be registered for the, for the, season, for the for first really. team. So I can't, I can't rip like a Harvey Vale little under 20s. Correct. Correct. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I could do 16. Clay. Oh, I, am I like? Are we going back and forth to basically? Do you yeah, think, yeah. Do you think I can do sixteen or do you in think thirty can, seconds, or do you think you can do seventeen and thirty? <clears throat> you got to call him a liar, or you got to up. I can do seventeen. 
Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. I just feel like it's a lot to name that many people in 30 seconds. You have two seconds less than less than two seconds per person. Call me on it then. Big decision for Matt. You know what? I I'm a I'm a back myself. I'm gonna say I can do 18 in 30 seconds. I think I can. I think I can. I'm fairly like positive that I can do that. Mm, all right, I'm gonna call you out on this one. Let's see it. Okay. Let's see it. Okay. Do you have a timer? <clears throat> hey, yeah, hold your phone up so the the people on. Oh, wait. Also, shameless plug here. Make sure you guys are following us and subscribing on YouTube. Uh, it's the CC Football Podcast, so you can follow along on the time. But it's basically only gonna be 30 seconds, so pretty easy. Um, Greg. Um. Okay. So. Matt, I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to start it at 33. Oh, shoot. Let me oh, unblur my <laughs> Let me unblur my background first. But you I'm also had the, you had the floating hand earlier when you were waving your hand around. I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to start it at, at 33 seconds, Matt, so you can see 3, 2, 1, countdown, and then start when it hits 30. Okay. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Mendy, Thiago Silva, Reese James, Aspilicueta, Alonzo, Rudiger, uh, Chalaba, Timo Werner, Romelu Lukaku, Hakim Ziyech, Mason Mount, Mateo Kovacic, N'Golo Kante, uh, Jorginho. Um, oh, Uh-oh. no. Oh, I'm 14, blanking. 10 I'm seconds. Blanking. 10 seconds. Um, oh, no. Kennedy. Uh, Kepa. Um, Bettinelli. Um, oh, oh, is this 17? <laughs> Wait. Damn, that was like the right number too. I think wow, you were. Making... Yeah, you had to go for eighteen, I guess. You didn't even. <laughs> did you say like, uh, who is your third choice keeper? Bentinelli. Oh, okay. that's who it is. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think. Did you say? I didn't hear him say Pulisic, but I'm sure. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't say Pulisic. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say Pulisic. I didn't say Hudson Odoi. Uh, the, the pressure really is like. That's the thing. Much. Once the, yeah, once yeah. the clock stops, they all come flooding back. Yeah. yeah, I didn't say Christensen. All right, so I guess no one wins that one. Oh, yeah. uh, did you say what's his I, name? What's that one defender who's played a couple of games this oh, season? Sar? Malang Sar. I didn't say Malang Sar. Yeah, Sar. Sar. Good call. Okay. Yeah. That was a good showing, though. That was a strong showing. Yeah. Well, I said I said I could do 17. Yeah, right? yeah. You said 17. And I nailed it. And then 18 oh. was uh 18 was pushing it. When you yeah. when you froze at like 13 or 14, I thought you were done. Yeah. So. And then I just ripped like three in a row. Yeah, that was good. Okay. That was good. Okay, Matt. Here's your chance to come back. We're gonna keep it Liverpool Chelsea related because that's the debate you guys are trying to settle right now. Um, and this one, this should be your game, Matt, because you've been a fan for slightly longer than Clay. Yeah. What you have to do is name non-current Liverpool or Chelsea players. Non-current. So X, former Liverpool, or just your team, obviously, former Chelsea players. And Clay, you have to name former Liverpool players. Oh, boy. And Matt, if you win this, which you should want to, then you're going to force me to come up with a tiebreak round. So I'll have to start thinking about that. Did I, did I not win at seven? Wait, I thought I said 17, right? Isn't that what I no, said? No, no. You, you, Clay I said started I could, with 15. I you said, upped it to 16. Clay said 17, then you oh, said I 18. said 18. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I got caught out. Okay. Yes. All right. So I need to come back then. Yeah. So you need this. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, All right. You go first this time. I can say, I can definitely name 10, at least 10 former players. Okay. Starting nice, nice and easy. Yeah, just keep it, just keep it basic. Ten. I can name forty. Thirty <laughs> 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 no. uh, seconds. Uh, honestly, like 
I'm trying to think about my my historic knowledge. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like so for context, I started watching football or like soccer and like following Liverpool really closely within the last like four or five years. And most of those like most of those are players are like Liverpool has had a lot of squad continuity within that time. Yeah. So I really only know like the legends for Liverpool. That is true. You should more. You should know more than ten legends. Okay. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> I'll say eleven. I'll say eleven. I, I can do twelve. Oh, Matt's confident. Uh, yeah. He's confident this round. I'm feel. I feel pretty good. All right. Thirteen. I I I don't think you can do thirteen. All right. Oh. I'll put you. I'll put you on the spot this time. So if you beat me, you Big beat me. Call. But Matt. Am I right in assuming that you feel confident that you would be able to do more than 13, but yeah. you're just doubting yeah. his ability? Yeah, probably. Okay, very I think, strategic. I think I could name most of like the 04, 05 team, probably most of like the Champions League winning team in like 2011, 2012. Um, and then like even like players like Gianfranco Zola and Ruud Hullet, like mm. you know, from the 90s. Alleged. Uh, Alleges. Exactly. Yeah. That I can, <laughs> okay. I can definitely name. Lest, lest we give Clay more time to, to think of names, I can see his gears. Yeah, yeah I'm by my time. I'm by my time. Turning. All right, here you go, Clay. Wait, what do I, I got to hit? Oh, my. What? <laughs> Wait, am I doing 13? 13. 13. Dude, this 13. guy's playing all the games. No. Okay, okay, okay. Dude, I know. He's, he's trying to throw us off. All right. Pepe Reina, Dudek, Stevie G, uh, King Kenny, Michael Owen. I'll say Jeannie Wijnaldum. Luis Suarez, uh, Alberto Moreno, good shot there. Uh, Ozan Kabak, let's see. <laughs> He's a legend. Oh, okay, oh yeah, okay, just okay. Uh, man, the pressure actually kind of gets you. It does. Uh, oh my God, no. Oh no, oh, I'm stuck. Oh no. Congratulations. That was only Wait. like nine, two. I, you know? I wasn't even close. You missed like Xavi Alonso. I know, I know. I, I, I know I miss a lot of yeah it's all good those, those players like I I thought Maybe of Xavi Alonso when I was like thinking yeah, about it in my head thinking. but I don't know Martin Skirtle Colo so I guess we Torre. both I both I guess we both uh failed we did Dude, the fact that your second name was Dudek what <laughs> I mean Dudek Dudek is like Dude, a, Dudek's good he's, like, he's kind of I'm a cool hero. Yeah, with no, it's yeah, he's a cool hero he's a cool no, hero I got nothing there. against Dudek. Jamie Carragher yeah oh, I, I also thought of Carragher yeah I just thought you'd think of a few characters before you would think of a dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hey, you for, you forgot. Oh, shoot. I'm forgetting his name. What's his name? The goalkeeper. Oh, Carius. Oh, Carius. Carius. I think he's Carius. like technically still on, in the, on the team. Though. I think he he might be actually. Yeah. We couldn't sell him. So I, oh, I he's still he, on Liverpool? Yeah, I think he is. Well, he's like loaned out right now. If he, I don't know if he's, is he like still in the no squad? Idea. He's kind of disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the okay. basement. <laughs> well, very hey Matt, very smart, very strategic. And yeah, that was off. good. That was good. I think I was um, there. We have you, you so we have to do a tiebreaker now. And for the tiebreaker, we're gonna stray into neutral territory. <clears throat> and we're gonna see who can name, and we're gonna do 45 seconds for this one. Who can name more Manchester United players past? Current and future, obviously not future, but any <laughs> any Manchester United players, current or past. Oh geez, forty five seconds. Forty five seconds to, to throw another wrench in the works because you guys don't know how long that is. All right. 
I feel like I should be able to do a lot, but I don't know. I don't know. All right, you say your number, Clay, and then I'm gonna. Okay. Yeah, Clay, you gotta go first. I'm gonna. Okay, okay. I'll say. I'll start with fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Big start. Big start. Oh, That's what we like. Forty-five seconds and past and present and future. Dude, I don't know. I don't know if you could do fifteen. Call me on Woo! it. I got seven. I got seventeen current Chelsea players, and in you got nine. Seconds. And you got nine in thirty seconds. To be fair, and you got nine for, former Liverpool players, and that's the team you support. So I'm. I don't think you could do fifteen. All right. I don't think you could do. Oh even my god! Even it. in forty-five seconds, I don't know if you. He's can. called them on fifteen. Okay. Yeah. All right, Clay. Your time starts in this time De Gea, Dallo, Wambasaka, Harry Maguire, uh Lindelof, Bailly, Luke Shaw, Alex Telles, uh Pogba, Bruno, Matic, Fred McTominay, Ronaldo, Alenga, uh let's say Rashford, Sancho. I mean, yeah. That- He's done easy. it. Oh my god. I can do I can I was, you basically, all, you basically all named players. the current whole squad of Manchester United. Yeah, he hey Matt, I don't know if this is uh, you know embarrassing or not, but he might have named more Manchester United players in less than 30 seconds than you did Chelsea players in, in 30 seconds. To be fair, he named less Liverpool legends. That is true. That's true. That's true. Than he named current <laughs> Manchester United players. Yeah, no, that that is true. That was wow, tight game. That was yeah, that was impressive. Very, yeah. I think both 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 players showed their prowess. Oh, Matt, yeah, especially with the with the strategy. I've never seen somebody yeah. think play that game so so. Yeah, he's thinking outside the box there. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. Got to right. the game. Yeah, maybe he was just being polite. It's his first time on the show. He he wanted this to. Is true. Yeah, this yeah. Is true. He wants this to get invited true. back. Is what he wants. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like, how many former like Manchester United players could like? Would you name like Phil Neville, Gary Neville, like Edwin Van der Sar, like? Ferdinand Vidic, yeah. all those, all those players. Oh, yeah. no, he's naming the whole, he's naming Ashley the whole. <laughs> yeah, the whole like oh, 08 team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. You can I, definitely see Matt's longevity. Clay, I have a question though. How many do you, how do you think your performance would have been affected if you weren't friends with me? Or was it friends with you? Yeah. I definitely would not follow United as much as I do. So I think I, yeah, I probably, I would probably would have started at 10 instead of 15, 15 yeah <clears throat> all right but i can right. definitely oh, okay hey. also united's a big top like big side right now i could name the starting 11 of like pretty much every single big side Club. in the premier league yeah, yeah. that's true yeah that's except up. brighton okay um <laughs> i said big side <laughs> Dude, brighton are massive man and all right, let's, just... let's jump into the let's jump into the recaps we got a lot to talk about all right yeah and we're gonna we're gonna try and be strict with our two minute rule this time two minutes per game Let's rip it. All right, let's rip it. First of all, <laughs> let's say let's start. Let's go chronologically. So, ten days ago, about Tottenham beat City three to two. So going into this game, Tottenham had lost three in a row, and since then they've lost two in a row, um, including a loss to Championship side Middlesbrough. And I mean, this game was absolutely insane. Like Matt, did you watch the game? Like it was yeah crazy. Yeah, no, I I I saw it like. It was it was kind of a Spurs masterclass in a in a little bit of a way. Also, Spurs did the double over City this season. Yeah, pretty insane to Very think impressive. about. You know, first game of the season, and then now, um, 
Yeah, it was this was a cracking game for sure. Harry Kane masterclass. Yeah, I was, I mean, as a Liverpool supporter, obviously, I was definitely pulling for Tottenham. And especially like the the difference between a draw and a and a win for Tottenham was gonna be massive for us. And so when City had that last uh I think they got a penalty or something. Oh no. Yeah, they, they had a, they, they had they a, got a penalty yeah, that equalizer penalty like in the, in the 92nd in minute or something. I was like, oh no, that sucks. Like they only drew. And then you know the Spurs go right down and score. And I mean, it seems that Conte pulled a rabbit out of the hat right now, but like because of that game and because Liverpool have been winning their games and that they should be winning, uh, the title race is back on now. It is. It's very oh, yeah. exciting. Craig, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Matt pretty much. Definitely a Conte masterclass. I think he he set up perfectly from a tactical perspective. And Spurs, regardless of their manager, they've tended to give City a lot of problems in the last few years, whether that yeah. was with Poch for the Champions League or Mourinho last year or um, this year with with Conte. So I, I don't know. It's an interesting matchup. And that game never, ever disappoints. There's always lots of goals, lots of drama. I think the takeaway for me was that regardless of like people talk about like different things like VAR killing the game and stuff, but there's still so much excitement left in, left in the Premier League. So Oh, yeah. That was, that was, that was crazy. And you would think that like going into the game, people were just riding off Tottenham saying that they were going to get killed. I mean, and if you look at their their record in the past, they had lost three games in a row. You would have expected them to lose. Everyone was picking them to lose, but it's the Premier League. Anybody can win, and that's the beauty of it. And now we have a title race on our hands. And I guess on the same day, Liverpool had the opposite result as City, and they won 6-0 in a game that was truly very one-sided. And I think that like it was kind of reminiscent of when Liverpool beat, uh, I think it was Crystal Palace last year, like 7-0 before, the, before Liverpool collapsed and stuff. Uh, it was just relentless and ruthless. And I think that they were kind of making their statement to City, like saying, hey, we're we're knocking at your door. We're not only going to beat Leeds 1 or 2-0, which can be a tough team to play against, even given the, nah, the injuries and stuff. Even given the injuries, like their style of play, they can they can catch you out yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a very convincing win. Yeah, I didn't watch this game particularly, but I, I did catch up and I, I was keeping up with the game on my phone. And I saw that like Liverpool put in like four goals in like the last 10 minutes of the game, um, which could come up really yeah, big goal later in the season. Um, but yeah, this game basically like sacked Marcelo Bielsa, essentially, you know, yeah. like kind of after that, it seemed like, leads were ready to move on and and even with the injuries it just wasn't it really wasn't working this season for him yeah and that's super something that's uh kind of shocking for me like going into this year Craig and I had both picked leads to finish in the top half of the table and we expected them to make another at least like sustain the level that they had played at last year and not be in this relegation zone or not in the relegation zone but like they're near the relegation zone right now and it's possible they do get relegated um definitely taking a step back this year and Kind of sad because, you know, I think that Leeds are a good and fun team to have in the Prem. Yeah, I, and I think they will stay up. So hopefully they do. Um, so that shouldn't be an issue. That should be pretty much all they're focusing on now. They got the American. But yeah, I think for me, what was important about the, what was important for me about the Liverpool game was that they kept a, a clean sheet because they've the defense has seemed a little bit suspect, even though they haven't been conceding goals. So to keep a clean sheet, that'll give them huge confidence going into the this big part of the season now. What's yeah. next? Next, uh, okay, let's jump to the Champions League where the main game that we're going to talk about is the 1-1 draw between Atleti and, and Manchester United. And Craig, let's, let's have you start first on this one. I, 
want to hear your thoughts on the latest. I guess we can lump the next two games in together, Atleti and the Watford game. Um, what are your okay. thoughts on set, the? I'll set a I'll set a four minute timer. Yeah, so let's just take a little uh, uh, temperature check, a mood a mood check with all the United supporters out there right now. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm going to have Matt go first because he, he seemed like he watched the game and he said something about, about the game before, which I tended to agree with. So I want to see what, what his thoughts were, a neutral perspective on it before I go into my kind of rant. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, in general, United were incredibly poor, and I think it's been pretty indicative this season that they've been just substandard um, for most of it, whether it was with Ollie or whether it's with Ragnick now. Um, I just think that the chance creation, there was no real movement. It seemed like Ronaldo was dejected, like his, his, uh, just like his facial expressions and all of that. It just didn't seem like United were going to get anything from this game. And I think that they were a bit fortunate with uh, a little bit of a longer brilliance that happened, um, but just overall incredibly poor against Atleti. And I know that they're a very difficult team to beat Atletico, but this season, like they've been letting in goals very, very consistently. And I think that not being able to show your quality against a team like Atletico really kind of speaks volumes to where United is at right now, just at least mentally. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I will say my, my reaction on the game is pretty much exactly what you said. So obviously very negative. And I think that I, I said this to you guys before, I think it's daylight robbery that United came away from that game with one, one. I mean, United are going to be so happy with that coming back home to old Trafford. Um, they'll feel like they can defend that, especially with no away goals rule. Um, so even Atleti score, they don't get a, the big advantage. But yeah, it's, I mean, I think United will be very happy and they shouldn't be based on that performance. But the one thing I will say from the positive standpoint, not about that game, but about United in general, I think that the last five or six games, United have been incredible, or at least for me, to watch from an attacking sense, creating lots of chances going forward except that one game, which is why it was surprising to me because we haven't been scoring goals and that's a finishing issue, but it has been much, much better to watch United these last few games under, under Ralph Ranick. We've been attacking very fluidly, like getting people into attack. His substitutions have been very attacking. He will, he's not afraid to pull off like two defensive midfielders and put on whatever, like Pogba or Rashford and play with nobody that back there, like all he was. And so it's been great to watch. And, and I do think that, Clay, you and I discussed this. If, if we were just finishing our chances, United would have some great results in the last seven or eight games. Unfortunately, we only have like three or four good results in those games. And I'm not sure what happened with the Atletico game. Maybe it's because, Matt, like you said, they're a difficult team to play against. Maybe the tactics were different. They expected them to Atletico to play differently. But yeah, Atletico deserved to win that game. Um, but yeah, moving on to the Watford game. I think that I could, if I could interject really quickly about the yeah, Atletico yeah. game uh, before we move on to the Watford one, is that I think that Atleti scoring early was the worst possible thing that could have happened to Manchester United because Simeone loves to get a lead and then protect it. Yeah. And so when they scored within the first, I think it was like the first 10 minutes of the whole, of the whole like two. I think two, it might have been in the third or fourth. In the, okay. So it was yeah, super, it was early, super early, right? And so then they're allowed to play the type of, of football that they want to play, especially against big teams like United, where they can sit back, absorb pressure, and then hit United on the counterattack. And that's exactly what they're able to do. So, yeah, yeah. no, great point. Um, and then moving to the Watford game, I honestly, I think I already said it. The, my biggest takeaway is United have to finish their chances. We did everything right that game. For the first time, we played defensively very, very, very well. Um, 
yeah, shocker. Maguire wasn't playing, and we played defensively really well. <laughs> Lindelof and Varane starting, held down the fort. Super strong. Watford had no chances. We created so many chances. We were so fluid attacking and then just didn't score any of them and ended up drawing the game. And it's it's becoming a similar storyline play. We already discussed it with the Middlesbrough game and then the... Um, yeah. I, I mean, what the, in, that, in, in that game, United had 22 shots and, and no goals, and only three of them were on target also. So... Just, I think the, quali- yeah. the quality has to improve. And I told you this a week and a half ago when we last recorded, and I think I'll say it again, is that with the type of people and the quality of players that United have, the, it'll come, I think. And the type to like remain, the, the, the most dangerous thing is that the players see the results and start losing faith in the process that Ralph's taking them on and down that road, and they start reverting back to their old ways. Yeah. <clears throat> What, oh, actually, one last thing before we move on is because you mentioned it is that we, I, I think it's important that people don't start blaming Ralph because I just don't think he can't put the ball in the net for these players. I think he's done everything he can do to kind of get them to that point. Now they need to learn how to finish. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah, moving on. The blame should definitely move to Rashford and Bruno, who have been particularly poor in yeah. these last few weeks. And even Ronaldo as well. I mean, Ronaldo was on his longest goal drought in his career since like, Lisbon you know like yeah. that just speaks volumes about where the, where they're at in the attack yep let's move on to a pretty controversial game and one that could have historic ramifications in terms of who ends up winning the, the Premier League and it's the one nil City win over Everton and you know I was watching the game thinking oh great like Everton are gonna hold on here Zero zero city in the classic city fashion, get their breakthrough goal. It's one zero. So then I'm like, okay, well, the game's over. City are just gonna win. And then I honestly I turned off the TV because I was like, all right, I'm done. You know, I want to <laughs> save my time. And then I see on Twitter a picture of Laporte. Right. Like, oh, it was yeah. it was it Roger? Okay, yeah, Rodri. Yeah. Like arm handballing the ball in the box, and I, and I was like, oh. Everton got a penalty, but they didn't. <laughs> it's just absurd. I mean, okay, so that was like pretty ridiculous. I don't know how that was not given a handball, and it's a huge result that City really needed. Yeah, I think it, it has huge ramifications on both ends of the table for this one, you know, where Everton are, you know, surprisingly in this kind of battle for relegation, and City are obviously trying to fight to win the title, and where you have – this is essentially a six-pointer – just kind of in the opposite direction of you know where where each team is trying to go, um, I think that it was it was pretty heinous and you see it a lot with VAR you know and, and I'm sure we can talk about it when we come up to the Carabao Cup final with Lukaku and that offsides line, like VAR just kind of consistently gets it wrong to the point where is it is it really worth having it in the first place? Um, I don't know, Craig. What do what do you think? <clears throat> well. I mean, that's a good question. I don't know what the, the right answer to that question is because theoretically, in my mind, if we have technology that can help you get a decision right, why not use it? So I'm very pro VAR, but if we're not getting it right when it's so obvious, then I don't know what to do. The only thing I will add is, yeah, I agree that it's completely heinous error and that's huge ramifications for Everton City and even teams like Liverpool. Um, but Clay knows I always say this, and this is this is regardless of, I, always, I say it for Liverpool, for City, for United, whoever the team is, um, it just it happens the, the great teams always seem to get lucky the teams um every game and then 
you know, if, if Everton end up going down, I think that people obviously will look at this. Um, but there's a lot more to look at than than just this decision. And at the end of the day, I, I said this when United lost to Middlesbrough in the cup final with, when they scored off an obvious handball that, you know, the referee said after it was a handball. It's the same thing. United had, it was in their own hands, especially in that game because we're playing Middlesbrough. I understand it's different with Everton. It's in United's own hands. We missed all those chances. We can't sit around complaining about the referees after that. Definitely the referees need to be addressed. And I don't know what's going on with the VAR. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Good teams tend to get lucky. Liverpool did a lot when they won the Premier League, and that's because they were a great team, one of the best in Europe that year. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. And I think that, <clears throat> like Matt said, having that type of impact on both ends of the table, like this game was very important for both teams and a point versus City for Everton, given the position they're at, is, could have maybe saved their their season um, or definitely. kept them, helped them survive. So we'll see. Maybe they'll go down. That would be crazy. <laughs> Everton are not too big to go down. They're not. They're, they're not. not too big. No one's right. too big to go down. Let's move on to the Carabao Cup final. And this is going to be the last game that we're going to talk about. And so, man, what a game. That game yeah. was insane. I'm going to give I'm going to give four minutes for this one. Okay. It seems okay. like a, a big yeah, game. It, it warrants it. We have a lot fair. to hash out here. And I really want to say – to like keep the to i don't know address that at the beginning like i had always written off the carabao cup uh as a meaningless competition since the very very beginning since i started i started following football and i understood why klopp uh used to always punt and play his uh, you under 14s and in the games because ultimately to me it didn't matter but seeing a final like that made me care about the FA Cup game today and all like the other like meaning <laughs> meaningless like smaller trophies you know like I don't know that game was crazy it was so much fun to watch probably the best 0-0 draw that I've watched I can't remember watching um Matt what is your what are your thoughts on it and yeah give me your overall impressions yeah I think I think you absolutely hit it you know right you know hit the nail on the head with that I think in a lot of ways like that game was just proof to why we love football. Like it's not about the scoreline always, but it's just about how the game flows, how these chances happen, whether the game is open and like a game like that. I mean, even Antonio Conte spoke about it in his presser after the game happened that he just had to give credit for it because of how exceptional of a game that was. Um, and I think that like, obviously there were a whole lot of offsides decisions and it seemed like no matter Everybody was trying to score and nobody could could put it in the back of the net. The game could have been four. And, and if they and if they did put it in the back of the net, then the referees would make sure that it didn't count. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, the ball was in the back of the net, I think, four times. And three yeah. for Chelsea and one for Liverpool. And yeah. all of them got rolled off sides. Like there were sitters that were missed on both sides of the ball. Uh, there was a red card shout for Keita that I think honestly could have been a red card. Um, I think I think it probably should have been, considering that Chalaba literally got stitches in at halftime. He got six stitches in his leg because of how high the challenge was and how like high the boot was. And like obviously it's you know it's one of those 50-50 balls, but it was you know like there was that that's that just proved to how much was happening. In this yeah, we, we've a, seen it. We've seen it given before. We've seen oh, that. Yeah. We've seen that given before. Seen, Far less given. And when I saw that challenge, I was like, oh boy, we could be in trouble here. Nabi could be in trouble. And let's say, to be fair, Nabi wasn't even supposed to start that game. Tiago had gotten injured in yeah. warm-ups, which is a huge blow for Liverpool. And when I heard that news, I was uh, pretty devastated, not only for Liverpool, but also for Tiago, who is 
really struggled to stay fit um, this year. And it's really sad because as I said in my, on our Valentine's day episode that he's my crush because <laughs> yeah. he's so fun to watch. And like Liverpool plays so well when he's in the, when they're orchestrating the game, but um, wait, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You finished. No, I was, I was finishing my thought there. What's up? Yeah. Well, apologies for your crush. Um, hate to see your heart broken like that, but okay. Oh, by the way, uh, we'll get to this after actually. It was also Clay's birthday a few days ago. So everyone on the podcast, make sure to uh, comment <laughs> and wish him happy birthday. Come to our Twitter, leave some comments at Clay Wright or something like that. Um, sorry, but what I was going to say is that the main, the main part of the, uh, the, the main event that I would like to talk about um, to Matt specifically, but then also Clay, you can chime in, is the Kepa substitution has worked before, to be fair. Um, and it's also not worked before, but that was not by the manager's choice. That was by Kepo's choice. Um, what, <laughs> well, to be fair, we did. We won that penalty shootout when he tried to. That, that is true. It has, it has worked. Correct. What, what, did, what did you make of that? I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where no matter what, like Tuchel will obviously take responsibility for it because it is, in the end of the day, the manager's decision. Um, I think, you know, if Kepa, if Kepa scores it, or, or saves one of those penalties before, like maybe that Van Dyke penalty where he could have maybe gotten a little bit quicker, but it was lashed. Um, you know, everybody would be praising Kepa and praising Tuchel. And I think in the end of the day, it's just, it's just one of those things that happen in football where, you know, like you make these decisions and it could work and it could pay off and it might not pay off. Um, and in this, this case, it didn't pay off. And a lot of people were, were clowning Kepa and, and definitely, you know, kicking him while he was down. But I think in general, I was pretty pleased with the support that it looked like, you know, it's it's win together, lose together. And I think that together they they understood that no matter what, like Chelsea are going to lose as a team. Um, so I didn't mind it. Obviously, Mendy, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's not great at penalty shootouts, even though he did win one for the AFCON. Um, but I just think that he was pretty, it was, it was a, it was a decision and I can't hate uh, neither Kepa nor Tuchel for it. It happened. Yeah. I, I just kind of want to say, I didn't really, to me, this is kind of equivalent to when Southgate subbed on a bunch of, like, I think it was two players at the end of the Euros. And Saka, and, Saka Sancho. and Sancho. He got, they got subbed on with like a minute left in the game or in like extra time at a time. And then they were just subbed on purely for the, purpose of taking a penalty i think that's pretty equivalent to what keppa had to do he got subbed on for saving the penalties it's like the exact same thing where he wasn't in the flow of the game especially given the fact that mendy had had such an exceptional game and had made so many incredible saves and the fact that he had just won a penalty shootout in a major tournament um with senegal to me i understand that yeah like statistically keppa might have a better penalty saving record but just given the flow of the game and how frantic it is and how like how much pressure there was in that moment that I I kind of would have if I was Tuchel stuck with Mendy and uh left left kept on the bench I think sorry my my poster just fell down (laughs) in my room um uh I just think that also for his own sake like no one would have if Mendy didn't save any penalties and then sky the ball over the bar no one would have been like oh why didn't you sub on Kepa you know but now because he subbed on Kepa I think that that was like a a decision that people are starting to like nitpick and, and get out to go about. Um, I honestly think some people, might, yeah. to be honest, it was, it, Kepa has been, 
it was prepared that if it ever got to penalties, that Keppa would be the one who would be in the shootout. I, I understand think. that. And like, and it's like, it's almost like a penalty specialist, like Jorginho, you know, like Jorginho is always going to take our penalties and like, sometimes he'll miss, sometimes he'll make it, um, which he does more often than not. But like, if that's the manager's decision and he's the dedicated guy, it's kind of like difficult to. Yeah. And if, if it's been established that before the game, that this was going to happen, if the game reaches that stage, then yeah. I understand Tuchel putting him in. But from a Kepa's perspective, like he got it subbed on to do one thing, which is save a penalties. He didn't save any of them. He, then he got, and then when it came to scoring a penalty, and then, he, yeah. he like literally did as poor as possible. Yeah. And like, it was, it's impossible to do anything any worse well, than he did. Well, so here's what the, and I know we're, we're way over our, our five minutes for that game, but, but, the thing that here's what I think about it is whatever, like Matt said, it's, you know, it's a decision that has to be made. And I, I always say like, you know, if it works, as you said, Matt, if it works then Tuchel's like a hero and if it doesn't, then, then he's a villain. But that's, I mean, that's at, at the end of the day, that's the managerial job. Um, but what my thing is, Clay, remember when we were watching the, the Euro finals together and I'm sure you were watching it as well, Matt. Um, and the, the England penalty, the England, Italy penalty shootout happened. And they brought on like Rashford and Sancho and like the last like 30 seconds of the game, they didn't even have a kick of the ball before the penalty. And of course they missed. Um, and that's something that, you know, I've always said, and a lot of people say is like, you can't just expect somebody to sit out 90, 120 minutes, actually, usually in the case of a penalty shootout, not do anything, just sitting on the bench and then come on and, you know, amidst all the pressure, just score a penalty. Why, why doesn't that logic also, you know, go, go for goalkeepers? I mean, he's also just been sitting there for, however long and he's expected to just come up and save and then potentially which did end up happening also then score a penalty which is like double the work of what Rashford and Sancho had to do so th- that's probably the other side to it but I see both sides the, the the thing is though Matt do you think let's say Chelsea make it to the Champions League final and Mendy start now Kepa what is it now Kepa's lost twice when he's come on to have his penalty shootouts against City um where he refused to come off and then against whatever against Liverpool do you think if this goes to the Champions League final or semi-final goes to shootouts do you think Tuchel makes the same decision or do you think he keeps Mendy on honestly uh I'm not I'm not entirely sure uh I will say that I do think that Kepa is significantly better at penalty stopping than Mendy is Mendy yeah because Mendy Mendy tends to move quite early and so when you move early in a penalty shootout these players can just put it the other way at least the first five so I think that it'll definitely be a decision that gets made um but I know Tuchel always tends to stick to his guns and he and he does have faith and he has trust in Kepa Kepa played really well while Mendy was at AFCON and so that's true it will it I think it'll 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 have to be seen um what the levels of preparation are by the final um but Tuchel's he's a man manager he backs his men but like if you don't perform you can get dropped. And so that is something that for sure he'll think about and it'll stick in his head. But, you know, I think his overall support of Kepa in general has been overall positive. And he's, this is definitely the best he's been since he signed for Chelsea for like $72 million or pounds. It was, Hey, it was the one thing we can say is it was, a, it was a brilliant penalty shootout to oh, watch. Yeah. Um, the bet, the best we've seen since Manchester United Villarreal in the Europa league final, <clears throat> which yeah. also, which also, Ended with a Spanish goalkeeper missing the eleventh the eleventh kick to oh, yeah. lose the game. Um, but no, hey Matt, at least now you know how how I felt. Clay, yeah. maybe he'll find out sometime soon. But hopefully not. It, it, hopefully not. 
from the neutral perspective, it's always it's always thrilling to watch. Yeah, you know, it was a great game. I saw that I saw a tweet that said that it was the most viewed Carabao Cup final in in history, which not surprising. Oh, yeah, nice. And yeah. it's it's first Klopp's domestic cup. Klopp's first domestic cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good for Liverpool to you know it's not a major major trophy, but good to break it's the always ice. Good to win it's always good to break the ice and the first trophy up for grabs and all out of for all the English teams. I guess you could say the Club World Cup, but like for all, all of the English teams that can possibly win it. Um, yeah. Like, it's good to grab that first one and get your foot in the door. The quadruple is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> but some other news uh, that's been kind of dominating the football world for the last probably 24 or 48 hours is uh, Chelsea is getting sold. And that's is a big reason why we brought you on the show here today, Matt, is because we were talking in our, in our group text and our group me. Um about it and i just want to hear your your thoughts on it because you know chelsea have a good minute like ownership situation they had one in terms of financial backing and stuff and like what do you expect to see and like what is your gut reaction to this yeah i i mean i think the first thing obviously to say is that like clearly you know this is happening for a reason obviously the atrocities in ukraine have been something that has put all russian leadership under you know fire you know even even with a club like Everton kind of having a similar situation um, and I just think that it was something that probably had to happen but I think it is it is sad to see it end this way when Abramovich took over you know in the mid-2000s and he took over because he wanted he loved the club and he wanted to make this club great and I think that it's hard to find owners that want to do that you know like you might have the Saudis or, or, or people or the princes of Qatar who kind of have that same vision and they have that same like money and capability to do it in a more modern game. Whereas Abramovich was coming into, you know, a game that really transfers were not as big as they, as they are now. Um, and so I'm, I'm a little concerned. Honestly, I'm a little sad. I think that Abramovich just taking the politics out of it was one of the best owners that you could ever have. You know, somebody that's always willing to back his club over anybody, you know, over players, over managers, it comes club first. And I think that to find another owner like that is going to be very, very difficult. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned moving forward with the outlook of Chelsea, what our leadership, what our ownership is going to look like, um, you know, people in important places that could get replaced as new owners come in um, and potentially changing the culture of the club, you know, like Chelsea was a very solid team before Abramovich took it over, but they became phenomenal and they became, you know, one of the best teams in England and potentially in my opinion, the best team in London. And so I think that that will be hard to replicate no matter who it is. And you have to look at, you know, the Crunkies or even the Glazers, um, or even like Fenway Sports Group for Liverpool, like these are all ownerships where they've kind of faltered a bit other than Liverpool, but that you can almost attribute to how well run the club like Liverpool is. But like, you know, like Fenway Sports Group, like were, they were willing to sell Luis Suarez, you know, who was the best striker in the world, probably one of the best strikers of all time. And they were selling him at his peak for kind of nothing realistically if, for the value of the player. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm a little concerned, but, you know, you never know in the end of the day. And obviously my love goes out to Roman Abramovich. I love him. 
I think that he's been a phenomenal servant to Chelsea and he's for sure proper Chelsea, no matter, no matter where he is. Yeah. I think that is definitely, like you said, it's going to be difficult to replace and find a similar uh, ownership, especially now if you see like recent acquisitions of, or semi-recent acquisitions of major clubs like Liverpool had this that sale semi-recently and, you can see how these newer managed or these newer owners are tending towards running these clubs like a business and not as much as more of like putting the club's success first and they're trying to make money out of it. Like Manchester yeah. United is a prime example of that. However, it's not impossible to succeed with owners of that, like with those priorities. Like you see that in Liverpool, like with the proper structure within the club and with a great manager and great recruitment, you can still succeed by not, not having to splash so much money and, and, and be more, I guess, prudent with your decisions. And, and it may, does definitely make it more difficult, but I do think that Chelsea have good recruitment. They have a great manager in Tuchel. So I, at least in the short term, they should be set up and they have a great squad right now, which is yeah. even the most important. Um, so I think that in the short term, they should be, they should be fine. It just comes with, it'll be interesting to see who, who, or like which group or which like, hedge fund steps up to yeah. conglomerate to to buy the club and how and then yeah. once we hear some names that start getting floated around i heard like conor mcgregor was interested in it or something yeah uh like i don't know i just think that once we hear some names start floating around we can start seeing i've seen the co-owner of the dodgers and this 84 year old i want to say swede he might be polish um they have been the rumored like favorites to take over the club and you know like you know knowing the Dodgers and knowing how the Dodgers run their organization it, it it does make me a little bit hopeful but you know Abramovich today in his statement said that he does not want any money from Chelsea he's forgiving 1.5 billion dollars or 1.5 billion pounds of debt that you know he injected into the club because it was never about business and I think it's hard to remove business from modern businessmen nowadays you know this was out of pure passion and you know maybe somebody will will passionately buy the club you know think about how how Eck wanted to buy uh arsenal you know the the owner and founder spotify, of spotify yeah. uh, he wanted to buy arsenal because he loves the club and he's a fan of the club and all arsenal fans would have loved that because that's somebody that would have put the club over his own funds no matter what you know um so that's, I think, the most concerning part. But you're right. Chelsea do have a great infrastructure, and it'll be interesting to see moving forward how that will, how that will look for the future, you know, the next 10 years, mm-hmm. as opposed to these, like, next couple. Yeah, I think also one important difference is that, like, like you said, Chelsea kind of became big in the more recent f- football history, whereas a team like United or Liverpool that – they have like the ownership has changed hands a, a couple of times, like semi recently. And the fact that like for Chelsea, it's mainly the culture of like club coming first is instilled by the, the ownership, by their ruthlessness and like, and trans player transfers and managerial changes and stuff. And for, I think from like Liverpool and United, the way that like those clubs are different is that like the, the fans are the people who implement that type of club first mentality because the, club has been so popular for so long that it's like in the culture of the club to be competitive and stuff like that. Whereas for Chelsea, it's more of like, and it's not, I'm not saying that like Chelsea, I just has a different culture in terms Absolutely. of like, uh, 
competitiveness and ruthlessness. Like yeah. I think that for better or for worse, you know, like the fans for United and, and Liverpool demand a lot and same with Chelsea, but the, the ownership doesn't have to do as much uh, for Liverpool and United as it does for Chelsea. So yeah. it'll be very interesting to see what, what, what path they go down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Roberto Di Matteo got fired after winning the champions league, but then, you know, we won the league after that. So it's yeah. like, that's just kind of how Chelsea's been run where, you know, managers get fired. Lampard gets fired. Chelsea legend, probably one of the greatest Chelsea players of all time. And he gets fired mid-season. We win the Champions League yep. that same season. So it'll be interesting to see. I think, um, obviously, I still love Chelsea. I always will. And I'll, I'm looking forward to this, to this new ownership. And, and we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. It'll take time, too. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. We'll, we'll always love Roman. I don't think there's a single Chelsea fan that doesn't love Abramovich uh, for what he's done for the club. Um, whether they're a new fan or whether they've been following since the 80s and the 70s. I think uh, there's all that appreciation. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Greg, there's a big game coming up on Sunday. I'm going to be the oh, biggest yeah. Manchester United supporter in all of <laughs> Nashville. It's a, it's a bigger game for you than it is for me, honestly. Oh, that's not true. You guys are still fighting for something. <laughs> have you Have you already given up on top Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, no, no, no. Don't worry. I'm fighting for a lot, but I still feel like it's a bigger game for you. You personally, not all Liverpool fans. You, I mean, you're going to be very invested in this. You need to win this title. We need to. We don't, I mean, we don't need to. We already, we already won silverware this, uh, this year. So, you know, <laughs> that, that way it's off our back. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is a big game. No, uh, no I'm just playing. Know. Obviously, obviously, yeah, obviously it's a huge deal for me. Um, not only, even if we were, comfortably mid table with nothing to fight for no chance of relegation, no chance to top four. I think it would still be a bigger game for Manchester United fans than anyone else, regardless of the impact of the game, because it's the Manchester Derby. And while 15 years ago, it might not have actually mattered that much. It really does now um, because things have completely flipped on their head. It's not even like things have just evened out and now it's like a hotly contested Derby. Things have flipped on their heads and city are winning everything and United haven't won in whatever, five years now. I haven't won a trophy so so it's it's huge and the one thing i'll say about derbies i say about every derby is that anything can happen in a derby um city should be favorites because they're maybe 300 times better than united currently are um but it's a derby game we beat city last under ollie we beat city a few times he pep had the worst record against ollie that he had against any other manager that he played against so you never know what can happen too cool um and that's good news for you <laughs> okay Craig, you are Ralph Ragnick. Is it Ragnick? Yeah, Ralph Ragnick. Ragnick. I can't really say his name that well. But, okay, you're Ralph. And Ragnick. who are you putting to start the game on Sunday? Who is your starting 11? Because I think that, like, he's been shuffling around, around a lot. So let's hear who you would start. If Harry Maguire starts the game, <clears throat> I'm ripping apart all my Manchester United jerseys. Not because I don't like Harry Maguire. You will not I like do Harry. that. I like Harry Maguire a lot. Um, and I really hope for his I, – I hope – and I think he does have – He there is a good defender in there. We've seen it before. We saw it last year. We saw it at the Euros. Um, he can be a very good defender, and I hope that we get to see that defender again. So it's not that I don't like him. But there is no player, in my opinion, that should have some divine right to get chances over and over and over again if they're not performing. I 
I mean, I agree with people who say Harry Maguire is a good defender. I think there is talent in there. But this entire season, he's been trying to think of a PG-13 word. He, he's just been bad. He's been <laughs> crap. Um, and every, and you know, Ali kept playing him and now Ranjik keeps playing him. And, and it's just, he keeps making mistakes. And those mistakes, when you're a center back, a mistake costs you a goal. If you're a midfielder or a forward, you know, a mistake, you know, costs you a missed opportunity or something, but it doesn't put you down 1-0 or 2-0 and so it's huge for and so last game I, I granted it was against Watford but we played Lindelof and Varane which everyone is very happy about and I think the back line looked very solid um and looked very secure and so why change something that's not broken he's dropped Ronaldo he's dropped Bruno he's dropped Pogba Rashford Sancho Luke Shaw Alex Juan Bissaka if you th- told any anyone not just Manchester United fans even either the two of you guys before the season started that Luke Shaw would be dropped for Alex Tellers and Juan Bissaka would be dropped for Diogo Dalo, who was not, not even in England at the time um, this season. You guys would not believe it. So Ralph has, he's dropped, he's dropped everyone that's not been performing. And so Harry Maguire should be, you know, privy to the same treatment. So hopefully it, it wasn't just like resting him. Hopefully he was dropping him. And until Lindelof or Varane messes up, he stays on the bench. That's just my opinion to just to, for things to be fair and for United's sake until Harry Maguire can regain his confidence. Um, I realize I've only talked about two out of the 11 <clears throat> positions. I'll, I'll answer the rest of your question now. De Gea in goal, because he's been our best player this entire season. It's not even close. Um, honestly, I would start um, Alex Tellez and uh, Diego Dallo, because I, I don't think either of them have done anything to lose that spot. Juan Bissaka was good when he played recently, and but Luke Shaw hasn't, even when he got the spot back recently, he's not he's not shown really anything that, Alex Tellis is very important from set pieces, corners, free kicks, even penalties. Um, so I think it's important. I would start them too, but I'm not, I'm not going to die on that hill. I don't really care who starts that outside back. Um, I think our midfield needs to be Pogba, Matic, and Bruno. Um, and I think Matic, I think Pogba and Bruno hopefully pick themselves, especially Bruno has been missing chances, but apart from, oh, Jeez, sorry. Apart from apart from um, his missing goal scoring opportunities, he's still been the same as he has been with like creating chances. He's still the top creator in the Premier League, and he creates so many chances every game. He's integral. Pogba's been brilliant since he's come back from injury, and Matic was phenomenal in that last game against Watford. He was he's what we've been looking for in a holding midfielder. You know, picking the ball up, making important tackles, spraying huge diagonal passes, pinpoint passes, driving up with the ball. And yeah, he's getting old. I don't know if he can do it the whole season. So yes, we still need a new holding midfielder. But in that game, I think he proved what I've been saying is that he is better than McTominay and Fred, even if it's only, you know, for a couple of games. I'm not saying he can play the whole season more than any of them can. But this game, I would start him. He's got so much experience. So McTominay or Matej, Pogba, Bruno, and then up top, you have to start Ronaldo. He's been horrendous recently, but big games is... This is what this is what he lives for. He's built a career on unscoring when it matters most. You can never take him off. And Cavani, I mean, he's been MIA anyways. And so, so I would put I would put Ronaldo and then Sancho and Alanga. I, I don't think Rashford deserves to be in there. And Sancho has been very very good recently. And Alanga, I mean, I think we all know he deserves to start. So that would be my starting eleven. Would you guys change anything in there? Uh, I would consider Rashford. And maybe instead of Sancho, not 
based on merit, but based on the Pace. the way that the game is going to go is that City are going to dominate the ball and United will have to hit on the counter and that's where a ball over the top to Rashford can be deadly. Um, but that's a great point. That might happen. Dan James, all he started Dan James every time we played Manchester City and he was hugely influential just because he was so fast. We would, he right. would get the ball out every single time. That's a great point. Yeah, so I, I just think that tactically that might be the way. But like you said, Rashford doesn't really based on performance. My fantasy team knows this. He doesn't deserve to <laughs> doesn't deserve to start. Um, and honestly, I think that uh, I I mean Bruno doesn't really either. So, but you got to play your big you got to play your big players in the big games, um, especially when you don't really have a, a competitive player that could play the backup. Um, you're not going to drop Bruno just to drop him you have to have someone else that could take the spot especially versus manchester city so yeah let's go around rapid fire and give a score prediction and then we'll call it a day how does that sound sounds good to me all right burke let's say let's let you start i'm gonna go with four one city i think they're gonna score wow Yeah. yeah i'm going for the bold prediction here you know, I, I, I might be the bias in me, but City haven't been that convincing since, I guess, for the last few games. Like, they weren't even that convincing versus, I think they play, like, Plymouth or Portsmouth today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They only won 2-0, only won 2-0. Um, and like you said, United have something magical in, the, in a Manchester derby, maybe. I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw, and I'm going to call it, a Harry Maguire header in the 90th minute. <laughs> That's definitely not happening. <laughs> I think I think a draw is actually a pretty good prediction. I mean, obviously, I want United to win, and I think there's a chance of them winning just because it's a derby. But just because City are, I mean, talk about their firepower. I think if Lindelof and Varane start, United have a chance of drawing. I'm gonna say a a one one draw, zero zero or one one draw. I'm, I think there's not gonna be that many goals in the game. If Maguire starts, four one. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, but we'll be we'll all be tuning in, and um, hopefully, my my prediction is right. So, or actually, hopefully, my prediction is wrong, and and that United win. So, um, but anyways, thanks Matt for coming on the show. I'm sure we will have you on again soon, and it was it was great great time, and we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah.